Hi there, I'm Hallie Parkins, and this is St. Mark's School of Theology. Welcome to St. Mark's School of Theology. I'm Hallie Parkins, Associate Pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church by the Narrows, and this podcast is an experiment in faith formation in our homes as we navigate the pandemic in our lives and faith together. Many of you at St. Mark's requested a small catechism class or an adult confirmation. Perhaps you've come to the Lutheran Church later in life. If I can be candid, though, your curiosity and interest in Luther's catechumenate teachings caught me a little off guard. Maybe there's always been an undiscovered interest in learning more about Lutheran theology, doctrine, and practice. Perhaps, though, there is something ringing more true about searching for the roots of our faith in the middle of a pandemic. Luther's large and small catechism were published in 1529. The Small Catechism is a short booklet, often published today in pocket-sized editions. Martin Luther wrote the Small Catechism as a resource for teaching faith in the home. If the Small Catechism is like a study guide for questions about key elements of the Christian faith, the Large Catechism is like the Leader's Guide or Edition. Martin Luther had some opinions about how ordinary people learned about and experienced their faith. Namely, in his time, they weren't well equipped by their pastors and clergy to have knowledge about their faith. The opening paragraph of the small catechism gives you a little flavor of Luther's passion on the subject. He writes, The deplorable, wretched deprivation that I recently encountered while I was a visitor has constrained and compelled me to prepare this catechism or Christian instruction in such a brief, plain, and simple version. Dear God, what misery I beheld. The ordinary person, especially in the villages, knows absolutely nothing about the Christian faith. And unfortunately, many pastors are completely unskilled and incompetent teachers. It is not hard to hear the commitment, the passion, and the fervor that prompted Martin Luther to write and preach on key elements of the Christian faith, and ultimately bring the Christian faith home into the hands and language of ordinary people. The Catechism includes six parts. The Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, the Sacrament of Holy Baptism, the Sacrament of the Altar, what we call Communion or Eucharist, and the Household Chart and Prayer. The structure of the small catechism is straightforward. Luther states an important piece of Christian faith and asks the question, what does this mean? Followed by an explanation. The Catechism was intended to be memorized and learned by heart, if you will. At the time, few people could read. Memorizing the small Catechism allowed many a way to access key elements of the Christian faith. While we don't ask our modern-day confirmands to memorize the Catechism, I find something beautiful in the rote memorization, bringing the Christian faith 
and Luther's explanation as close as your own memory. This week, I sat down for a conversation with Ingelori Lischer, an ordained deacon in the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America and the director of Youth and Family Ministry at St. Mark's. We talked about the ways Luther connected the stuff of ordinary life and ordinary people with the Christian faith, beginning with music. Yeah, and music was important. I mean, a lot of Luther's, you know, the songs that we attribute to Luther are bar are bar tunes that <laughs> yeah. would be sung in the pub that now have I mean a mighty fortress is a bar is a sit in a beer hall. It's a drinking song. It's a drinking song. It just he changed the words were changed. Um and that, you know, because he was at he was oh with Augsburg Castle, um when he wrote that. So yeah, so yeah, it was a drinking song because it was the song that the common everyday person would be familiar with. So taking so I mean the time of the Reformation was taking current like songs people are familiar with and putting them to religious words or even art like reformation art um mm -hmm. and i shared this after our trip to um wittenberg with the 500th anniversary was the reformation art shows average peasant people sitting alongside jesus at the lord's supper so you would actually see yourself in the art you wouldn't see kings and princes or images that you don't understand but you would actually see people who look like you in the art in the church so the triptychs in uh the saint mary's church in wittenberg which is the town church um has a beautiful triptych and it shows jesus at the cross but then people who look like peasants at the foot of jesus or jesus at the lord's supper but people who just look like them sitting alongside Jesus. Um, so it was, so it, it was kind of like how, it's a way of teaching the scripture, right? I mean, it's how stained glass has been used throughout generations to teach the stories of the Bible or, you know, the stations of the cross. Um, these, so it just, so yeah, so the art of the time, the music of the time was just really trying to figure out how do we relate to the people who are just the average person and not, the leaders in power. Mm -hmm. I just, I think of so many resonances right now uh, with how we portray, I guess, a worship uh, service visually and, and create all those pieces, but it was like this whole accessibility project. Yeah, to totally. But way, well, before, I mean, I think Luther was creating a whole like online service before, I mean, or like <laughs> a coming into your home service before we even had a, you know, but again, this was, he was also, did exist during the time of the, the Black Plague. So Martin Luther understood pandemics and plagues <laughs> better than we do. Uh, yeah, I guess we aren't originals, you know, in, in that. <laughs> Already, you're beginning to hear echoes of Luther's time and place and how they influenced the way he brought faith into ordinary life and ordinary life into teaching and learning. We continued in the conversation bringing up more ways that our time and place echoed back to Luther's 16th century context. Who knew Luther would be so darn relevant? Exactly. And I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I write, and it's not like we sit around and read Luther all the time. I mean, 
I mean, oh, I don't. No. I mean, I think I read him in seminary, and then <laughs> I'll pull out a quote every now and then if it's relevant to a preaching. Or, a, well, I mean, I guess we do talk Martin Luther when we talk about confirmation. <laughs> and during the Reformation, like our Reformation Sunday. No, there's like, we highlight Luther various times throughout the year, but it's not like, we, it's not like Pastor Hallie and I sit down and like dig into no, we, Christian 24-7. <laughs> no, and I think uh, Pastor Siggy just mentioned a piece of the small catechism uh, in her last sermon, but I don't know when the last time was I preached on the small catechism. And Luther was preaching on the small catechism lots and lots. I think to try and explain this like really condensed down version or maybe to get the word out right. that he was publishing this. But I think we do it in different ways, right? I mean, by, okay, for example, the small catechism is written for people in the home to have, for parents to teach their children about the faith, right? Mm -hmm. And how, so how do we do that in current modern time, right? Well, we do Advent at home bags and we do Lent at home bags and we do family take home lessons and mm -hmm. we do a variety of like, or even just like right now what we're doing with all our Zoom classes, we're going into people's homes to talk about faith, even worship on Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe we're learning a modern way to share the catechism without sharing the exact words. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we do a baptism, virtually which we're not virtual when we do it but it's presented virtually mm -hmm. we can share what is luther's explanation of the of baptism i mean or when we do we do the eucharist every single sunday in our homes which is not what we're used to but luther has the explanation in the catechism so we can understand in our homes what eucharist means mm -hmm. Which is such a different, I, I think in the pandemic, that was initially one of like the big ones we had to sort of, I mean, wrestle with and like decide, are we abstaining from the Eucharist or is there something in our Lutheran theology that would allow us to have communion in our homes to do a baptism and present it virtually? It's, yeah, I, just those initial conversations and like gut reactions, that was a hard thing to wrestle out. Yeah, and you all have done a great job with navigating that. Um, like, as much as I would love to be standing at the altar rail taking communion yeah. from my pastoral leaders um, and from congregation members, I know that Jesus is present in the body and blood that's being at my own home, right? Mm -hmm. um, and because it's been done in such a thought, it's been presented in such a thoughtful and caring way that we can do this um, even when we're apart. Because again, wherever two or more are gathered, we are a community, we are, Jesus is there. I mean, even virtually, Mm -hmm. We are gathered together, um, and that has meant a lot. As so, uh, you know, while we're away from each other, so I know it's mean a lot, meant a lot to me. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna assume it means a lot to other people as well. I yeah, I I can assume if I feel it and if I feel this connection to a whole community. Yeah, I mean, I have friends who haven't been able to take communion since March, last March, um, because of their faith background. 
and mm-hmm. it breaks my heart. Um, and I, I mean, and I want to say, just come, you know, just come visit our church, you know, virtually. Um, but their theology would still prevent them from taking communion. So, uh, but I'm, yeah, so I am thankful that we have um, leaders who thoughtfully and prayerfully considered all of this when looking at how do we do the sacraments at our homes. Um, I also think about how cool it is that really we're holding this body of Christ community, but also in our homes. And I think that's like the whole thing that Luther's doing with the catechism. I I love that tie-in. Yeah, I mean, without you know, the what does this mean 24 <laughs> <24/7. laughs> <laughs> 7? Um, yeah. Do you know how many times the phrase what does this mean occurs in the small catechism? I know, but I know it's like the first commandment, what does this mean? The Lord's Prayer, you know, like every petition of the Lord's Prayer, every one of the commandments, all the, you know, the, the th- third, three articles of the Creed, there's before he does his explanation, there's always what does this mean? Which, I mean, yeah, I, that, I would have to actually look at my small catechism and actually count, but it's a lot. I mean, and I think what does this mean is a good question. Like, I think asking ourselves what ourselves what does this actually mean for me in my life right now, mm-hmm. um, it causes me to wonder. It causes me to, like, think. It causes me to maybe look deeper into something that I might not fully understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're so used to having the answers at our fingertips. I mean, um, you can Google them. I can you Google can have it. But, but I mean, Luther gives his explanation. But with that, I think there's that whole, like, it's not just what does it mean for Luther? It also means what does it mean for me? Um, without it directly saying, now, after you answer my question, you need to think about your own answer. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Which I loved that that was the perspective you brought within the small catechism, that it's really just a starting point. It's not a final answer that Luther's giving us to just like, um, well, yes, it's memorized, but it's memorized in order that we can think about it and process it more. Right. Because if we took each meaning literally, and then we didn't have a house and we didn't have food on the table, then <laughs> I just don't know how that would, I mean, I don't know how I would respond or how I would, I mean, I think it's, yeah, I do think looking and exploring and it's a starting point for me, it's a starting point. Mm-hmm. It's not the end all be all. Cause again, Martin Luther is also human, right? So. Oh, very much. Yeah. Very extremely human to the point of, yeah. So, yeah, I think the what does this mean is a starting point for me um, in my understanding of the Apostles' Creed or the Ten Commandments or the Lord's Prayer or even baptism. In our candid conversation... I appreciated the ways Ingalori highlighted the connections between Luther's time and place and our own. She shared a rich knowledge of the history and places that shaped Luther's life and faith. 
The small catechism is simply a jumping off point to engage our faith, to dig a little deeper, and to explore faith in our lives. One of the ways I encourage you to explore your faith this week is by writing a creed or a statement of belief. At St. Mark's, we use statements written by the Iona community to, as we say in worship, affirm our faith together. These statements are always written in a time and a place and give shape to what we understand about God, ourselves, and one another. As you are so inspired, I encourage you to give shape to your faith this week by writing your own belief statement. If you are able to join our class on March 7th, 2021 at 4 p.m. Pacific, I'd ask also that you feel courageous enough to share them with me and others. St. Mark's School of Theology is a project and experiment in adult faith formation during these COVID times. The St. Mark's School of Theology podcast is produced by Cody Schumann. Our theme music is created and composed by Cody Schumann. To learn more about the community of St. Mark's Lutheran Church by the Narrows, please visit our website at smlutheran.org.